Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And on today's edition, our special guest is Tom Lambert, CEO of Houston Metro, or the Metropolitan Transit Authority of Harris County in Texas. Tom went from police chief to CEO of his transit agency, and this year he's been recognized by APTA, the American Public Transportation Association, as Transit System CEO of the Year. Amazing recognition for a guy who's done tremendous things. You remember that a few years ago, they rerouted all their bus routes, and now that's become all the rage across the nation as most major transit systems make their new bus routes relevant to what the riders want today. They also had to make it through Hurricane Harvey this year, where they just helped the city recover tremendously and back on their feet, getting 15,000 people to shelters. It's one of only two systems in America that's actually seen growth on their system in terms of passengers. You'll hear a story today on Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. I'm Paul Comfort, your host of Transit Unplugged, and thanks for being with us today. We have a very special guest. Tom Lambert, CEO of the Metropolitan Transit Authority of Harris County, or commonly known as Houston Metro. Tom, thanks for being with us. Well, Paul, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here today. Yeah, Tom and I go back a few years. When I was uh, CEO of MTA in Baltimore, we were doing a reroute of all of our bus systems, and Houston was the model to follow. So we came down, and Tom hosted us there. We brought down, I think, eight guys and gals, and you spent a whole day in the symposium, maybe three years ago, with us, teaching us what I brought out of that. I don't know if I ever told you this, was 10 things. I got 10 lessons out of what you all told us, and we applied all of them to the Baltimore Link update. So thank you again for helping us do that. Well, you're welcome. I want to give uh, Nat Ford from Jacksonville credit, because Jacksonville actually started with a system redesign. Ours was a little bigger than that, but we learned a lot of lessons from Nat and his team, so I wanna thank them for that. But we're very proud of what we've done, the redesigned bus network. We're seeing ridership growth on the local bus network. We're seeing ridership growth on rail. We're seeing some ridership loss on commuter buses, and that's the next route we're gonna look at redesigning the commuter bus network. But we know why that's happening with corporations downtown moving further out but we're very proud of the growth in local bus ridership, the growth in rail ridership, so yeah. we're very proud of all You're that. one of only like two cities in America that's growing, uh, right? About two or three from what I hear now, and we're very proud of that, and we see more opportunities going in the future, and I think taking the, the lessons we learned and redesigning the local bus network, applying those lessons to the commuter bus network, uh, we think we'll do some things, we'll improve that ridership in the future as well. So you and I are in, in Nashville today. We're at the APTA National Conference, and you're going to be winning an award at this conference. Uh, you and uh, King County, they're winning the System Award, but you're winning the CEO of the Year Award for large systems uh, for the work you've done there, man. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And again, I want to recognize it is a team effort. Oh, yes. It's a team effort from the staff. It's a team effort working with the board. It's a team effort working with a community that uses our service. So we're very proud of that. And, and I'm very appreciative and quite frankly, very humbled by the, the award. 
How long have you been there as CEO? I've been the CEO since January 2013 as interim and okay. became permanent in March of 2014. So I've been there a little while. Yeah. But the agency, I've been there for 39 years. That's what I was going to ask you. Tell so, us about your background. Well, my background is I always like to tell the story. I had just, I worked for the Austin Police Department went back and finished my undergraduate degree and was actually in Houston interviewing for some risk management jobs after I got out of college. Okay. I was gonna change the career path a bit. Stopped in Foley's, which had a coffee shop back then in downtown Houston, and the place was jam-packed with people. There was a bus operator by the name of Willie Mitchell sitting by himself at the table. So Willie and I struck up a conversation. I joined him for a cup of coffee. He said, man, if you really want to do something to make a lot of money, and that was the first lie Willie told me, <laughs> uh, go apply at Metro. Metro had just been formed in January of 1979. I was fascinated because it was a new agency. They were looking to create the first transit police program in the state of Texas. So I had an opportunity to really get on that from the ground floor up. So Willie Mitchell, a bus operator at Metro, made me aware that they were forming this organization, this department, turned in an application, got interviewed, and was offered a job. Uh, and I've been there 39 years now. As, so As a police officer? I, say, I came in as a security investigator. We okay. brought in how we really focused on internal security while we were developing the police program. Had the opportunity to work with some very talented people. There were about four of us that started the organization. And in 1982, the Metro Board approved the creation of the Metro Police Department, the first transit police department in the state of Texas. And I was given the opportunity to be the first police chief for the first transit police department in the state of Texas. And giving credit where credit is due, our mistakes where mistakes are due, Beverly Scott promoted me to this position. So I'll either <laughs> compliment Beverly, yeah. Bev or... Uh, uh, she'll get the either the credit for it or the discredit. Huh? So I have a lot of respect for Bab, and she yeah. gave me the opportunity to move in this position. And I served there for about 28 and a half years as police chief. And that's why everybody still calls you chief, that's right? That's call me chief, and that's yeah. fine. And then had an opportunity to move into different administrative levels. I became the chief administrative officer, and then the executive vice president uh, appointed the interim CEO, and then uh, the board had given me the opportunity to become the permanent CEO in 2014. So very pleased with that, very proud of that too. That's wonderful. I, I think you're the first CEO I've ever met who came up through police, the uh, transit police. Is there anybody else you know of? I, I'm not aware of anybody yeah. else. I will tell you, David Genova from yes. DART RTD, right. though. Yes. Dave has a security safety background. Yes, that's right. So I, I think we have a lot him. of commonalities with David there as well. That's right. Yeah, and he also was with the same agency for many, many years. That's something. Well, that's good. So you took over about four years ago as CEO. Were you the one that kicked off the rerouting of the bus service? Yes. Yeah. What made, what made you think about doing that? Well, first of all, you've got to give credit to the board of directors, and I always want to say that. Our board of directors, we have nine board of directors. They are not paid any money. They're volunteers. And I've had the opportunity to work with board members going back all the way to 1979. And each and every one of them have really been committed to improve the quality transit service for the region and all the mobility things we do in the region. So the board had recognized we were losing ridership. Okay. And their issue was you can continue down a path of status quo, or you can be bold and take risks to improve the experience. They were bold, they took risks. They did it under a very logical approach, saying we want to give you a clean sheet of paper, we really want to be data-driven. We want to know where's employment, where's population, where are jobs, where do people need to get to? How do we improve the service? They did it from a standpoint of 
80% of our operating dollars need to be spent to grow ridership. 20% need to make sure we had service in coverage areas where you're never gonna grow ridership, but there's a fundamental need of the people in those communities to get to jobs, to school, to all the places they need. So it was a very well thought out process. It took us about three years to get there. And the board created a 125 member community working group wow. that we had involvement from management districts, we had involvements from our partners in the transportation field, whether it's the city, the county, the Texas Department of Transportation, Harris County Toll Road Authority, all the member jurisdictions. We had bus operators on the working group. We had the union represented on the working group and they brought great value to us. How could we improve the service? Where did we need to spend our money to get the most bang for the return on the investment? And so the board was very bold in doing that. And you go into this thinking you're going to have positive results, but you really don't know. Right. But they took a measured risk that I think has paid off. And as you mentioned earlier, Houston Metro is one of about three systems in the country that have seen ridership growth. What is it, you, Seattle, and who's the other one? Uh, I think it's actually uh, Coda from uh, Ohio. Oh, that's right, she mentioned that. That's today. right, yeah. So you're seeing that. The three award winners. The three award winners <laughs> and Coda. Right. Again, uh, we had an opportunity, as you did in Maryland, they sent a team down to visit with us. Yeah. And the thing we're proud of, we've shared the good, We've shared the bad, and we've shared the ugly. Well, you know what you told me when I was down there was to make sure I include the drivers yes. in the discussion. And I can't tell you how invaluable that was. We went out, we did what we called in-reach. We had people that go into the driver's you know, lounges and meet with them and explain to them. And we had them help us design our bus stop sign. We had them help us design the routes, everything. And I don't know that we would have done that as, as extensively if you hadn't told me that. So thank well, you. Well, I'll tell you, a long time ago I learned if you're really gonna want to know what's going on in the transit, whether it's from a security standpoint, a safety standpoint, or a route planning standpoint, involve the frontline people that do the job. Yeah. They'll tell you exactly where the needs are. And quite frankly, they'll tell you some great ideas how to meet those needs. So uh, we've learned a lot and have a lot of respect for our operators and our frontline employees. So what was the outcome of that? You had you had this 125 member group. They spent a couple years looking at this. You brought in some outside help, some planners, and then you did the change overnight, right? Like pulling the bandaid off? We did. Yeah. And, and I want to, and I really, <laughs> I want to tell you how innovative our staff was and they were very creative. We have 9,000 bus stops in the metro system. And overnight they had to take, we had, we had replaced the old signs with the new info posts because we improved route maps, schedule information, next bus arrival texting, all that was on the info post. So they had to put the new signs up, cover them with plastic bags that had the old sign. And we're so engaged in technology and innovation and creativity, they had to find out how we reduced those 9,000 plastic bags off those stops overnight. They got uh, fishing poles with fishing hooks to take them off. Oh that's how creative. <laughs> but that came down from them understanding that's what we had to do overnight. So in right. essence, that's what it was. Overnight, we changed the entire network. And, and the result has been what? Ridership growth, most recent report, local route, rail routes up about 3.5%. So we're seeing very positive results from that all going all the way back to 27 or 2015. And that's even was impacted by a million ridership loss during Hurricane Harvey. So that is significant when you see the impacts of the hurricane last year, and we will see that continue to grow. But we went to 22 high frequency bus routes. 
the same bus route on a Monday you've got on a Saturday. And our weekend ridership has been very, very positive since we redesigned the network. And that tells you if you provide a high quality, reliable, dependable, frequent service, people use it. The other thing we recognized is Houston and the Harris County region operates 24 hour a day, seven days a week. Our services have to match that ridership. So you'll see us continue to build off of that from the lessons learned in the future. Houston's like the fourth largest metro area in the country, right? Well, Houston is the fourth largest city in the country. Yeah. And if you took unincorporated Harris County, which is our principal county, and if it were a city, it would be the fifth largest city. Wow. So we have a very dynamic community, but it's going to continue to grow by 2040. Houston-Galveston Area Council, our Metropolitan Planning Organization, anticipates we'll go up to 10.4 million people mm. by 2040. So it takes everything we can do with a multimodal approach yeah. of how we're going to move people and goods through our region. And we're very much a part of that. So tell us about, that's a good segue to the scope of your service. Mm -hmm. Tell us, you know, you got bus, you got rail, what do you have, how many employees, budget, all that kind of stuff. Well, first of all, we have a general mobility program that we support for the entire region, and that's about $160 million a year coming from our sales tax that we provide to the city of Houston, Harris County, our principal county, and 14 multi-cities in our region. And they can do anything that Metro does. So we build streets, we build sidewalks, we do street lighting, all those things that have to be connected to get people to transit. So we do those things through our general mobility program. We also run an HOV network and a hot lane network. HOV high occupancy vehicles during peak hours, two person, three person carpools, van pools, buses. And then during those times when we have more capacity, a single occupant car, a high occupancy toll user can pay to use that 100 mile network. So we really try to leverage off of all those things. And then uh, we carried about 113 million passenger trips last year on the local bus, on parking rides, on our paratransit metro lift service. 26 million people use the HOV hotline. So we're really a multimodal approach. And where we're now trying to go is making sure, uh, and we learned this over the new bus network design, but we also last year went out and had 25 public open houses in our region. We wanted to hear from the public, where did they think we needed to go next and where Metro need to serve a very fast growing region. And we heard a lot that says, if you can't get connected to transit, sidewalks, ADA compliance, it stops. And if you don't feel safe and secure, folks won't use your service. So we're gonna fundamentally make sure that we build upon that in the future as well. Tell us about your rail service. We didn't touch on that yet. Well, first of all, we've, we've gone from the original seven and a half mile system in 2004. We've now expanded about 23 miles of this rail light service. Light rail? Light rail. Mm -hmm. And in 2013, we expanded by another five miles and then we've added another 12 or so miles through 2017. The great thing about rail though is you got greater carrying capacity. When we did the bus redesign, we redesigned the routes to serve the rail system. Yes. So we interconnected the services mm -hmm. because it's not bus and silo to rail, it's an integrated transportation network that serves how you're moving people. So we've seen ridership on rail grow as well. 
And do you have commuter rail or commuter bus? We do not have commuter rail, but we have our HOV network. We have one of the best commuter bus services in the country. We carry over 30,000 uh, riders a day on that network. Wow. It's in a Is barrier separate. out? No, no. We operate it. Wow. Uh, well, but we do have a partner in First Transit. Okay. First Transit does operate one of our operating garages. Okay. And they provide the operators and mechanics to operate that service. We provide the buses and the facility. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's been a great partnership with First Transit and other providers over the years to make sure that we maximize the competition mm -hmm. in our network, sure, which right. is very good as well. But we're very proud of an integrated system that really looks to serve the, the community today and what we know is going to be the needs of things we can do to ease traffic in the future. Is that a problem in Houston? Oh, Congestion? Yeah. yeah. We're growing. Yeah. And there's a benefit to growing. We are great from an economic standpoint. We have very low unemployment. People want to come and live in our community. We want them to come and live in our community. But we know when corporations are looking to relocate to a community, they're looking for quality of life issues. They're also looking for a workforce that's got the talent to meet their needs. Well, that workforce is looking for how to improve their quality of life, walkability in neighborhoods. So how we really focus on urban design and we brought on an urban designer to really begin to match how we're planning our facilities of where people want to come to. And they've got a comfort when they get there. Mm -hmm. So we're really looking at transit and the facilities we provide are a place where people want to come to. And then it's making sure that you're looking at those really underlying principles of safety, of comfort, of security, of reliability and innovation and don't be afraid to take risks going forward. So we're looking now at autonomous vehicle technology. We're about to do a pilot program starting in January of 2019. And I wanna really give credit uh, to Kim Williams, who's our chief innovation officer, because we do have an innovation department at Metro. We're not like Phil Washington in LA, Phil has a extraordinary office yes, of innovation. Right, yeah. We just have an office of innovation. Okay, so yeah. that I give Phil a lot of credit <laughs> yeah. for this. But we're really looking at working with the city of Houston, Harris County, our principal county, the Texas Department of Transportation, the Houston-Galveston Area Council, our Metropolitan Planning Organization, Texas Southern University, because research is very important, the University of Houston, which is very important, and the Texas Medical Center, which is the largest medical center in the country. And the reason they're so important on Team Houston is we need to figure out how we circulate employees and passengers in a very large growing medical center complex that's gonna grow. So as we look to opportunities in the future, we wanted them to be part of the planning team as well as the Port of Houston. Mm. The Port of Houston is an economic driver, not only for the city of Houston, for Harris County and the state of Texas, but for the United States of America. So how they are looking to move freight, how they're looking to move products coming off the ships in the port and on that infrastructure, that roadway, we think there's some synergy we can work with each other on lessons learned, whether it's platooning of trucks, which we think has an application of platooning buses. So we really brought a team together to say, okay, let's get into autonomous vehicle testing. Well, let's do it in a closed environment to learn some lessons. So Texas Southern University, 
Uh, and I always want to thank Dr. Lane, who's the president of Texas Southern. They have a one-mile campus. It's called Tiger Walk. Tiger Walk will give us an opportunity to test this technology with a lot of pedestrian interface. They're called students. With a lot of bicycle interface. With a lot of different movements around that facility and that vehicle to see who will ride it, what are the lessons learned. We're gonna operate it with a person on it, but they're not going to be doing anything unless they need to override. And then in working with the city of Houston, after we get the first phase, they've agreed to allow us to take that vehicle into mixed flow traffic on a street network that connects Texas Southern University to the University of Houston. And so we're gonna bring it onto the roadway in mixed flow traffic, and then we're gonna connect it also to a rail line that runs right next to the University of Houston. So you connect autonomous vehicles to light rail transit, and then we're gonna go across the University of Houston campus, and we're gonna connect it to a commuter transit center that's a, oh, about a half a mile from the University of Houston on a major highway corridor that's got major commuter park and ride service. Wow. So we're gonna test an integrated autonomous vehicle mode with other modes in this area to learn lessons to see where we go in the future. We think it has great application for first and last mile applications. We think it has great application for circulators within major university environments, within major medical centers, within the downtown community, within the seven other major activity centers we have in the Houston region. So we're excited about that pilot program, but we really wanted to make sure that when we got into this, it was everybody in our region that had a mobility role are involved in this process. So we go in this together, we learn lessons together, and we apply the lessons for future opportunities together. And that's what we've tried to do. That's awesome. So it'll be great. A little bit more about, you'd mentioned you have a nine member board. And a lot mm -hmm. of times, you know, our listeners, most of them are in this industry. So mm -hmm. they're interested in things that maybe the general public isn't. Tell us about your nine member board and your governance. Are they appointed by like the mayor, the governor? Or how's all that work? Well, we have a nine member board. Five members are appointed by the mayor of Houston. Okay. And the city of Houston is our principal city in a 1,300 three square mile service area. Wow. But the city of Houston is the principal city, so okay. five are appointed by the mayor of Houston, confirmed by the Houston City Council. Okay. Two are appointed by the Harris County Commissioner's Court, which is the principal county that we serve. Okay. And then two are elected by the 14, we call them multi-cities, mm -hmm. other than Houston in our service area. So that's how we get the nine-member board. Okay. And what's your annual budget operating in the capital? Uh, Do you know? I, 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 we are about to have the board approve a $1.2 billion total budget next Thursday. Okay. And of that, about $626 million is operating and $500 million or so in so capital. big capital program. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that all the new rail you're talking about? Well, it's, it's, it's new rail. It's, it's expanding facilities. It's looking at BRT possibilities for the future and some okay. things we're going to be doing there. But it's the capital is also capital bus replacement, okay, yeah, yeah. support vehicle replacement. Right. Uh, it's all those related projects as well. And how are you funded? Well, we're blessed. In 1973, the Texas legislature approved for local options to vote sales tax to support, support regional transit. In 1978, uh, the citizens in our metro service area approved a one cent sales tax to support 
our operations in the region. So okay. we're supported by one cent sales tax. However, 25% of that one cent sales tax goes back to our member jurisdictions under the general mobility program I've yes. talked about yes. to do street, sidewalk, street lighting, and other okay. things. And we've done about $3.2 billion investment in those mobility opportunities uh, since that program started. And uh, how many employees do you have? 4,272, I think, is the latest number. And how about your police department since you were there? How many uh, officers well, do you we, have? Well, first of all, we have a great police chief. Her name is Vera Bumpers, and I'll okay. give Vera. She okay. just became president of the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. I, I've got so a good buddy. Do you know Doug Deliver? I do not know. Well, I do know Doug, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, He was chief of police at MTA. Well, He's big the, with that. I know Doug. And, yeah, yeah. and Vera just became the president of Noble. Yes. Very proud of her. That's great. Congratulations. And so uh, she's doing a great job. The board has committed to safety and security on okay. the system. Yeah. And they've actually allowed us to grow the police department. They've allowed us to grow fare inspectors on the rail system. So I think we're up to about 222 police officers now. Okay. We're up to 45 fare inspectors. And there's a three-year plan to continue to grow that. So uh, we've gotten very strong board support on the focus of safety and security, and they recognize the importance of that. Do you know, this is an obtuse number, but just interested, what your fare evasion rate is on light rail? You know, wise. I don't know the answer to that, Paul. Yeah. I can get that to you. Yeah, just the, they have a, a a goal that we check about 10% of the oh, riders. Yeah. So it's a good rate. But I'll also tell you, one of the challenges that you see on that, a lot of the people that use our system are using it through, we have 481 social service agencies oh, yeah. that provide fair right. media. So you've got this card. Uh, or a lot of yes. things. And so yes. about 78% of our ridership use our cue card or our smart card. So okay. we're very pleased with that. That is good. Um, but they've great, got about a 10% inspection rate on well, fares. That's good, yeah. So not to touch on something unpleasant, but in the end, it was a great story for Houston, and that was the, the hurricane. Right. Could you just walk us through, maybe for a few minutes, tell us about Hurricane Harvey when it hit and it devastated the area, and then your all's role in helping to lead the community back to mobility? I'll do it, but I always want to lead the compliment. Mayor Sylvester Turner and Harris County Judge Ed Emmett. Uh, the two leaders in our community were in lockstep and how we responded. That is extremely important yes. when you have an emergency. Political leadership. I want yeah. to give them very much recognition for what they did. Hurricane Harvey, I was born and raised in Houston, and I've been in Metro for 39 years. I've been through a lot of hurricanes, a lot of storms, a lot of tropical storms. We have never seen anything like Hurricane Harvey. 51 inches of rainfall, really in about a three, four-day period. It stayed with us, it stayed with us, it stayed with us. It kept circling around. Traditional hurricanes will come in, they'll hit you pretty hard with wind, they'll hit you pretty hard with rain, but they keep progressing. This storm didn't, it kept circling around us. So I've never seen anything like that. 165,000 homes were flooded, 500,000 to a million automobiles in the region were damaged. The whole movement of where people were living, where their travel patterns, all that changed. During the storm, and, and I give credit to our staff, and I give credit to leaders in the future. Several years ago, we established in the Houston area a place called Houston Transtar. Houston Transtar is our regional transportation and emergency management center. It's founded by Metro, the city of Houston, yep. Harris County, and the Texas Department of Transportation. I went there when I was down visiting. You did. They took us there. And the yeah. leaders of our community back great. in uh, 1996 had a vision of how all these mobility agencies 
ought to work together in managing mobility, traffic, accidents, and all that. Well, it was a logical extension that emergency management got into that play. Sure. So it served us well. So all of our activities were coordinated through there. We also did some things we'd never done before. We have very good emergency management plans. We trained those plans. We cross-trained with our partners, joint information centers, that the messages that go out to the public, there's a consistent, thorough, complete, clear message that goes out. We're very much part of that with our communication people. But this storm required us to do things differently that we'd never done before. Our buses do not traverse very well in high water. School buses do a lot better. So we had operators, but we didn't have vehicles we could move. Well, Harris County Transit District found some school buses. Our operators drove those school buses. We also, and I wanna thank our board, we had two previous rain events that flooded some parts of the city. Well, they allowed us to buy some surplus military vehicles. We had some Deuce and Halfs, we have some Hummers, and uh, they worked extremely well during Hurricane Harvey. We had our operators, our mechanics assigned to those vehicles. They were assigned to the Houston Fire Department and the Houston Police Department. They went into neighborhoods to bring people out of their neighborhoods where they couldn't get out. Uh, we transported 15,000 people from neighborhoods to shelters mm. because we also had to get emergency supplies coming from outside of Houston to the George R. Brown Convention Center, which is our convention center, but it was used as a shelter. Well, because American Red Cross trucks were bringing supplies, but they couldn't get past flooded conditions. As you know, we have a police force. Our police force, using maps we got from the Texas Department of Transportation, we knew where floods were, and we knew routes we could get around. So our police officers went out and escorted those American Red Cross trucks to get to those shelters to provide supplies for those families. So we did things, again, we've never done. I wanna compliment our staff because one of the greatest things they did, and I told him I was gonna take full credit for it, <laughs> it was not my idea. We knew one of our facilities was gonna flood. They took 120 buses. It was a great picture. Oh, it was a great picture. Yeah. I have it in my office, yeah, it's yeah. a wonderful <laughs> picture. And they moved those buses to high ground. So we didn't get 120 buses damaged, but as soon as we can return the service, those buses were put back in service. Yeah, you got right back into service. We and, did. And really helped the city recover so much more quickly, I think, than they would have because they had public mobility. We did, and the, and the thing that we felt very strongly, and the mayor asked us to do it, the judge asked to do it, and our board chair asked us to do it, is the things we could get back to normal sooner, the better it would be for the community. So I want to go back to the redesigned bus network. Mm -hmm. The redesigned bus network allowed us to get back faster. It's a grid network. It wasn't a wheel and spork focusing, or spoke forcing people to go downtown. Right. It's a grid system that if you want to go downtown, you don't have to go downtown. So what it allowed to do, and it's um, hurricanes are different, but I'll just use an example. Hurricane Ike, after about five days, I think we had about 11% of our service back up and running. By the time five days got around with Hurricane Harvey, I think we had 90% of our service back up and running. It was amazing, Tom. They did a great job. Yeah. The, the routes we couldn't bring back were routes that were flooded because we had two reservoirs that basically they had to release the water in the neighborhood. So, But then our service planning folks were so talented, they basically redesigned a southern route and a northern route. So we were carrying about 90% of our ridership in about five days.
So I was very on, proud of that. On adapted routes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's phenomenal. So they did a great job. So we, we were very proud and even more proud of the people we have an opportunity to work with every day. We had about 500 of our colleagues that were impacted. Their homes were damaged. Their homes were totally devastated, but they showed up for work. So very proud of them, everything did. And I want to thank, quite frankly, I want to thank the industry, Southwest Transit Association and Apton, I'll do this road guy. They actually contributed uh, gift cards to our colleagues that were very much devastated at the storm. So I want to thank the industry yeah, for that I, as well. I remember all that happened and didn't, didn't some agencies actually send employees to help you? Other transit Yeah, we agencies? had other transit agencies yeah. come to help us. DART, I uh, can't thank Gary Thomas and them teaming up, but yeah. people from all over the country came to help what us. What a story. What it was a great story. story. Very proud well, of what we did. And it's all culminating in my mind this week with you. I know you're representing the thousands of employees that really have, uh, Houston's really become a leader in transit. It's amazing. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Well, thank you, Paul. We're yeah. very proud of what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, we want to celebrate what we're doing. Absolutely. I can't wait to see all the great things to come. Thanks so much for being our guest today. Thanks for having Unplugged. us. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.